Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Is it an apple or a chocolate? Let's find out. Comment your answer below. And of course, it's beans. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, November 24th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, as always, we got Tass Millis. What's up, everybody? What's up, Tassie? We got my Top Shot Hot Boy. He would love to get his hands on some apple beans. Trey Kirby. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, yo. <laughs> and our beans. super producer, making the magic happen, J.D. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Got a special guest today, filling in for Lily. He provides basketball analytics for The Athletic. He was formerly the director of basketball research for the Milwaukee Bucks. And he's the author of the brand new book, The Mid-Range Theory, available now. Go grab one. It's Seth Part now. What's up, Seth? Welcome back to the show. Uh, how's it going? I guess you got the Alaskan to replace the Australian. It's a, it's a nice switch. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. Uh, well, we appreciate you jumping on here. We're going to get into last night's games with Seth and talk about the season so far, talk about the book. You actually said, right before we jumped on live here, you had a bit of an event last night. Did Elvino flow at this book reading or, well, or it hang was, out here? Um, um, Tangentially, it was at it was at a brewery, so maybe not the vino, but <laughs> oh, okay. similar liquid, similar purpose. Okay, liquid. lager yeah. for you, lager for him, lager for you. Okay, shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Make sure you guys subscribe and like and comment, share the show in honor of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. You can all get the Athletics' great writing, including Seth Part now, and ad-free podcasts like this one for a dollar a month for twelve months. Yeah, it feels like a typo. I know. Go to theathletic.com/slash/nodunks before the end of November 29th and lock in our very best price of the year at The Athletic. Again, that's just a dollar a month for new subscriber for 12 months. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I can't believe we're having you, the numbers guy, on here this morning, Seth, because we made history last night in regards to the wedgies. (laughs) Uh, That's true. we, We need you to get your calculator out and crunch the numbers on the odds of this ever happening again. Reggie Jackson in overtime last night, Mavericks Clippers game, he stuck not one, but two wedgies on back-to-back shots for him in that overtime period. And we're showing them both to you here, live on YouTube, on the same side, sort of of the same variation, that little soft sort of like layup floater. <laughs> oh my God, people were having a blast on Twitter. Shout out to Jordy Walters for the uh, <laughs> crying Reggie Jackson ball. It's the old ball there, the old Spalding, that's okay. And uh, yeah, wedgietracker.com's got the update. We're up to nine. You love to see it. Pace has ticked up a bit. But, but Seth, I mean, people were tweeting at me like, this is more impressive than a 50-point game. This is more impressive <laughs> than uh, Will Chamberlain going for 100. You know, this is more impressive than Kobe's 81. Back-to-back wedgies in overtime. What are the odds of this happening? 
Uh, the only thing I can think of is that's that's like a prove it shot in horse. <laughs> you can't do yeah. that again. Oh yeah, why not? Reggie Jackson wins basically is I think what that means. Oh well, yeah, because <laughs> no one's matching that. Yeah, I think Trey. We've debated before who is the real Wedgie King, and I believe we had Anthony Simons as our Wedgie King because he's the only person to have a Wedgie moment on Top Shot. But I think it's now Wedgie Jackson, right? He is our new it's king. It's gotta be. It has to be. I saw earlier today on Twitter, uh, some people were calling him the Wedge Lord, which I think is really good. That was a legendary moment from Wedgie Jackson. I mean, come on. Two wedgies on two shots in overtime. We say every wedgie is like a snowflake. These ones were pretty similar, right? Yeah. Like it's kind of a right-hand little softy floater layup that somehow nestles in there. It was meant to be. We've been slacking on the pace recently, so good to get a couple in one game. I also saw that uh, Wedgie Jackson was compared to Fernando Tatis Sr., who hit two grand slams in a single inning. Yep. That's the only thing people knew about Fernando Tatis till his son got in here. It was yep. a straight-up baller, so... This is one of the stats you'll probably remember for the rest of your life. Hey, Reggie Jackson, not the baseball one, the other one. He once stuck two wedgies in an overtime game. Yeah. Where were you? Yeah, Tass, anything to add to this uh, legendary moment, as we call it? Oh, it's, it's, it leaves me speechless, let's be honest. Uh, this, is, this is year eight of tracking wedgies, actually tracking wedgies. And on the call, Clippers broadcasters, Jim Jackson blamed it on, on the new ball. Said it wouldn't happen with the old ball. But they, they immediately said, checked in with the Elias Sports Bureau, has never happened. And obviously, <laughs> that, that was a joke, but it has never no, happened. Unless, no. unless, yeah, maybe as Seth said in horse, try that again. You can't do it. I don't, I don't think anybody in horse could, could pull that off. No. Um, back to back shots for him, too. Wasn't yeah. spread apart. Amazing. Yeah, that's the thing. We've had two wedgies happen in the same game before, but never the same player and never back-to-back shots and definitely not two in overtime as well. Uh, (laughs) Crazy stuff. So, of course, we had to start with that. But let's get into that game there, Um, Seth. I I don't know if you were watching the wedgies happen live. Again, you had that event last night, so maybe you caught this one this morning. But Luka Luka returns, and the Mavericks beat the Clippers in overtime to, to snap a skid here. And people have pointed out, like, what what happens when these two teams play each other, the Mavericks and Clippers? Like it's it's every game feels insane, and this one had an insane comeback and the Paul George shot to get us into overtime. And then the Mavericks take care of business, and Luke is back, and Chris Tapps is good. I mean, yeah, what'd you think of this one last night? I mean, that's we've had seen that in the playoffs every year is just these insane, not just games, but the series where there's just swings back and forth, and um, and even with sort of the cast of characters changing slightly. I mean, I know, I, I know Marcus Morris is back now, and that that's always a little spicy with with Luca. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I don't think I can explain. Like some teams just just play games like that. The other one that's been sort of like that this year is both times the Bulls and Knicks have played. The game has been <laughs> slightly inebriated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it uh, I don't it, it, just certain teams kind of mesh that way. I guess. Yeah, Tass. You, I mean, you watched this one. Obviously, you saw the Paul George shot there, which like I mean, it can't get any closer to still being in his hands, I would say, to, to tie that game up. But what do you think? Yeah, Paul George after the game said that one second felt like it lasted forever, and it did, and it dropped through. I wanted to ask Seth about Kristaps Porzingis because your time in Milwaukee crossed over with Jason Kidd as head coach there. Jason Kidd seems to be getting to Kristaps Porzingis, giving him confidence. Kristaps had 30 last night, 
and 10 free throws, which was yeah. ridiculously impressive. Seven straight games of 20 or more points for the first time in his career. Do you think Jay Kidd can get through to Chris Stapp's Porzingis to get him playing his best? I think it's almost it's less about the coaching almost and, and just where he's at physically. Um, he's been, you remember at the beginning of the bubble, he was fantastic. And then he hurt his knee. And then all last year, he was kind of not the, the, the thing that's, that's always made him kind of the, the unicorn, quote unquote, is that he's seven, three, but he moves like a six, seven guy. And, you know, when he was just sort of moving like an agile seven, three guy, instead of an actual six, seven guy, especially defensively, it didn't work. And I think physically he is, he seems closer to back right now than he has at most points really since he blew out his knee the first time. And I think that's that's the I mean you can you can give credit to, you know, where he's being put in the offensive scheme and stuff like that. But that's the single biggest factor I think is just his health. We're gonna give credit to Jason Kidd till Seth comes back. Here we go, Seth. Here we go. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. No Oh wait, wait, wait. I think we I think we maybe have him back there, JD. There oh, he is. Well, Seth, what there. I said is brilliant and it's recorded on my end, so you'll be able to hear it later. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Flawless. Uh, I actually saw something in that game from Porzingis. It was in the overtime when he did take over. Remember we were having this big debate of like, ah, he should be posting up. Get him down on the block. He's seven three. Who's ever gonna block his shot? And you're shaking your head, Seth. Yeah. I agree with that. It's like, no. The opposite, actually, I saw. He got Luke Kennard matched up on him. Late in the overtime period, you know, they had a chance. They wanted to put this game away at that point in overtime, the Mavs did. And he's like, he actually can handle the ball for a guy his size. He's got a little, uh, you know, like a move or two to him. And he just, like, basically bullied Luke Kennard. He just, like, he's so big, Luke bounced off him. And they just shot over him, like, just outside the paint. It's like, yeah, you don't need to put your back to the basket. Get a little isolation. You're way bigger than him. You're always going to be able to get your shot off over him. But yeah, that little physicality I thought was really nice to see, and he has been playing playing really, really good. Porzingis has. Yeah, no, I mean he doesn't. He's so tall that it's hard for him to back smaller players down. Whereas if you say he kind of faces them, then just the fact that he outweighs them can sort of come in his favor when they're both moving. But that's yeah. the, like I looked at this from a number standpoint a couple of years ago, and he was the guy who, when he posted up, was between when he caught the ball and when he shot, was get it was making the least ground towards the basket. Like, Joel Embiid would catch the ball forever away from the basket and then shoot two-footers. Right. Chris Tapps would, like, catch the ball at 13 feet and shoot 12-and-a-half-footers. And I think that that <laughs> sort of indicates the, 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 the problem that with just throwing the ball, expecting him to, to just, you know, be bigger than the guy, that's not the way to take advantage of his size. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even know you could uh, track that stuff, but you can track everything nowadays, can't you? With, the, with this stuff, uh, they got chips in these guys. How are they doing this, man? <laughs> I know it's just it's just the tracking cameras. Still, they don't. Uh, the, oh, there you go. the the whole wearables <laughs> debate is uh, is is uh, a long running battle behind the scenes. I'll say. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. It's still a debate. Yeah. With, with uh, in regards to the Mavericks here, you know they they Porzingis again playing well. Luke is back now. Uh, Maxi Kleber, I thought, played well down the stretch in this one. Are, is it is the answer the Mavericks, or is there another team that you can think of that maybe the league is sort of overlooking right now that is, like, going a little under the radar and we're just not talking about them as much as maybe we should or you the see them Suns? buzzing out? You think it's the Phoenix Suns? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the Phoenix Suns. Like, I think that the, the, the resurgence of the Warriors has kind of sucked the air out of, like, the discussion of the West right now. Yep. 
but the like I'm they play they play next Tuesday and I am really that is you know if you're going to circle a game on a calendar that one is I have high expectations for that one so I think that's that's going to tell us a lot about where both teams are I think yeah what have you been um, most impressed by with with Phoenix this year and this winning streak that they're on I mean they're I mean so they're playing really good defense is 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 sort of the basis for everything but it's not like they're doing any one thing particularly well they're just sort of really good across the board mm-hmm. like they've got good rim protection they they force a decent amount of turnovers they do a good job not fouling but it, but it's not you know okay Utah's playing great defense it's cuz Rudy Gobert is blocking every shot like Golden State's playing good defense it's Draymond Green is running all over floor recovery or what it's just solid mm-hmm. um and then they have two of the best shot makers in the league on offense so anytime it's a it's a close, close game, game. Yeah, it's, that's a little bit of an advantage to have two two of the guys who are... Uh, last year, I think there was like seven players who shot over 50% on like off-the-dribble mid-range shots, and two of them were... were I may be misquoting the stat, yeah. but it's something like that. Two of them were Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and so that's sort of... If, when you can make half of the shots the opposition wants you to take, it's sort of a good place to start from, especially in a close game. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Lakers. Uh, they went into Madison Square Garden last night, got down huge, <laughs> clawed their way back into the game. It got very competitive. Uh, you know, Westbrook, uh, who I know you wrote a lot about in your book, he, he sort of uh, helped will the Lakers into this one. But in the end, it was like quickly catching fire and, and the Knicks got the dub there by six. Um, I guess we'll start with the LA Lakers. Like, are you concerned at all? Should Lakers fans be worried about what's going yes, on? You think massively. so? Okay, tell us massively. why. Well, biggest concern is, does LeBron have that, like that playoff gear anymore? I mean, there's been other regular seasons where he's kind of, I don't want to say coasted, but kind of managed the season, knowing that, you know, November is November. Right. Um, even in those seasons, though, he was getting to the rim much more. He was shooting fewer jumpers. He was getting fouled much more often. Um, and so at a, like, at a certain point, you have to look and wonder if like there's real athletic decline happening. Um, before, there's one play, both the Hollinger and I uh, you know, focused on this in the Detroit game before he got, he got booted for you know, going UFC on Isaiah Stewart. He, like, there's a play where he blew by his guy, got to the front of the rim, and you know, we've been watching him for 20 years. That's a massive dunk that everyone gets out of the way of. And instead, he barely elevates and shoots like a, this really ugly lefty reverse that hits the backboard and never touches rim. And it's like that's not that that's not what he looks like. Right. And I know he's he's coming back from from you know the the core injury and stuff like that. But it still is all season. And you know, frankly, when he came back a little bit from the ankle injury last year, it's that those signs of mortality are kind of piling up. And so that's the single biggest. Because, you know, LeBron is sort of, oh, the roster's imperfectly constructed. Well, we got LeBron. Right. And, you know, now we got LeBron and AD. But if, you know, LeBron is a top 10 player instead of a top three player, your margin for error shrinks so much. And the rest of this Lakers roster is well outside of that, that like, shrunken margin for error. It, it must be so funny, though, when you and Hollinger, you know, write these type of things about LeBron. Because the immediate response is usually like, well, well go ahead. This was, no, this was the most telling thing. I tweeted about this during the game, and there was only the most tepid of pushback. Oh. Like was, I was going to say, was yeah, most of, people would be like, come on, he's done this yeah. like five or six years be, no, there's, running, there's a, you're there, a fool, he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, there was like the, there were even people who said, hi, oh, he's done this before. Even they were like, he's done this before, but... 
So that was the single. Like it wasn't. I was. I was kind of expecting that to be sort of an apologetic, and then people. Were, it was more people were like commiserating with me that Ooh. yes, we're all seeing this thing happening, <laughs> oh. and that's one game. And yeah, you know, but it's it's it. You know, it doesn't take too long for that to become a trend, and that's that's single. Everything else we can talk about the Lakers is kind of deck chairs, and that and layup. It looks one. bad, exactly like you're saying. It stuck out so bad that lefty that LeBron throws up. It looked like something from a pickup game. Plus, he's only taken three free throw attempts per game. LeBron, like that's wild yeah. to me. That shows yeah. you that he's not attacking as much. Surely that's because there's a lot of guys standing around for the Lakers, but. It feels like he's saving it for the playoffs. I remember in the bubble there were people saying, there's no way he's going to make it to the finals here. He looks he looks tired in the second round. Obviously, he got it together then, but he's been suffering injuries, right? Like he had an ankle injury. He had a core injury. At some point, LeBron isn't going to be the best guy in the league. At some point, he's going to go to a 1B in the tiers list, but... It's weird to say that it might be happening because every time you say it, it's a little bit like the Spurs. Like, they ain't making the playoffs this year. Right. They get back 25 straight years, I but... It certainly feels more like the year than it ever has. I wrote the first time I wrote an article is LeBron slowing down was I think five or six years ago, <laughs> and then that was and then That's that was point. and then that was that was the year he just was he completely died. I think that was twenty the I think that was twenty the year they won the the, the finals. Right, like six he years. was he was kind of you know bobbing along all season, and the playoff comes and it's like oh nope same dude same dude right yep. right too soon yeah no uh, you know Trey brought up the. Uh, the player tears there, which you're sort of famous for doing at the start of every season. Is there a mulligan or two that you'd like to have back on where you slotted a, a player in terms of like you had him too high, you had him in a tier too high, maybe you had him in a tier too low after we've now seen, uh, what are we in here? You know, creeping up on 20 games, I guess. Um, I was, I was probably too skeptical on Zach Levine. That's, oh, that's okay. one of the, that's one of the, um, the, that, I think that's one of, one of the big ones. There's a there's a few other players who I who I was really like worried about that they were kind of at a certain stage. Kyle Lowry is another one that I just didn't. I was kind of you know last year was weird all like across any number of dimensions, but it was you know he misses half the season and only some of that is the Raptors aiming for you know, high draft picks. Yep. And you know he's always been a guy who's gotten banged up a little bit. So you, but so far this season, of course, like he's been great. Miami's been great. Um, and speaking of Miami, like I, I was was sort of out on Tyler Hero, and he's been great this year. Um, in terms of guys, I was too high on some of it is injuries. Like mm-hmm. obviously, like we have to be very concerned about what Zion is going to be going forward at this point. Um, and I was where did you have Zion? I had I had him in tier three, and, and okay. based on sort of what has he's done on the court, that still sort of holds up. You just wonder how long that guy who's getting to the rim at twice the rate of anybody in NBA history, like how much physical decline has to happen. You brought up Tyler Hero there. He had an awesome game last night uh, in the win over the Pistons. Uh, Detroit kept it close, um, but he was pretty instrumental in the victory. Would he like be at the top of your most improved leaderboard right now? Uh, he's a, is he a six-man uh, of the year sort of candidate there if he gets enough games coming off the pine? Like, where do you... What do you think about Tyler Hero here? Um, you know, the the short list for most improved is, is like him and, and Miles Bridges and um, maybe uh, depending on how he keeps it up all the season, uh, be a weird player to win the award. But Ricky Rubio has been oh, absolutely wow. fantastic yep. for, for oh, Cleveland. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's he's right there. Certainly, six man of the year is right there. He certainly fits the player type who wins six man of the year. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like my the, the joke. I, like every year when I'm asked for predictions about who's going to win the awards for six man of the year, the winner is Yay Points. So he's, he's, <laughs> he's he seems to be the the natural heir to sort of the Jamal Crawfords of the world in that uh, in that respect. Let's uh let's get into your book a little bit because uh, I think the last time we had you on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, it, it obviously wasn't out yet. I don't even think you could maybe, like, talk all that much about it. Um, but what was, uh, you know, what was the process like for you in, in writing this? And are you happy with the result? Uh, yes, I'm happy with the result. The process is um, arduous. <laughs> um, there's, there, um, I think anyone who kind of goes into writing or podcasting has a little bit of liking to hear themselves talk. Um, writing a yes. book will show you exactly the limit to which that is true. Um, the <laughs> book is around 80,000 words. I think around word 25,000. Uh, the voice in my head really started to annoy me. Um, <laughs> and I kind of, it's like people have asked if we're doing an audiobook and if I'm going to read it. It's like, the, if I'm reading it, there will be no audiobook because I do not want to hear my voice reading this back ever again. Sure. sure. Um, so that was that was the kind of the unexpected hard part. And, and funnily enough, one of the more difficult parts is actually picking the cover. We went back. Oh, really? We just went back and forth a ton, uh, just to to get it right. Because I it, like, I wanted to make sure that it was both like clear that I was talking about like data, statistics, analytics, but also that it's about basketball, not about math or you right, know, coding right. and stuff like that. And so that was you know that was a really tough balance to strike. But I I think the folks at, at Triumph did a, did really a great job. Uh, working with a very cantankerous uh, artiste. To get, to get <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of words. It's a very wide-ranging book. I, I, I'd say at about the 60,000-word mark, uh, you've got a, a chapter about Carlos Boozer and Robert Ori. Take it back a little bit about uh, how Carlos Boozer, far more accolades in, in terms of individual accolades. Um, but obviously Robert Ori, his role expands in the postseason. So can you explain, just get into that chapter a little bit more, how one guy yeah, sure. gets his game on in the playoffs and Carlos does not? So it's a cliche that the playoffs are a different game than the regular season, but in, in many ways it really is. And it comes, it almost is as much about sort of the, the grind of an NBA schedule. If you're, just the, the way you prepare is very different if you're playing, you know, four games in, in, in six nights in three cities. Right. And just the amount that you can say, okay, who's on this team? I, okay. So you play a certain way as if you just don't, okay, how are we going to play the best not knowing who we're going to play tonight? Is a right. very different question than how are we going to play against this one team? How are we going to play against this one team now that we've seen everything they do three times? How are we going to play against this one team that's one of the best eight teams in the league? And so that's almost it's it's still like it's obviously still basketball, but the things that are valuable and impactful are just change in those two environments. Like, like you know, it's kind of over the course of a regular season, you probably get a little bit of an advantage by being left-handed, hmm. just because you know, you, like huh. different. Uh, yeah, you're, you're different. It's unusual. People haven't seen it before. Then you. Okay, then if I'm guarding you for the third game in a row, oh, lefty, it's just, it, it, it becomes more, and, and just like, that's an obvious one, but every, like, like all players have, not all, but all but the very best players have like their, 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 you know, signature 
spots and moves that they like to go to. And as you learn those, you can you can take those away, and that means whether you have different skills, whether you have um, sort of the variability to try different things becomes much more important where in the regular season, you know, I have this one thing that I do and on any given night, you can't stop it. And so Robert Ory had that sort of malleability and he was never like a great offensive player, but he knew how to fit in around other great, other around great players. Whereas Carlos Boozer is like, okay, against the 20th best defense in the, in the league, I'm going to eat against the second best defense in the league. I'm going to, eat my shot several times uh, and, and, that's, and that you know that's that's kind of how his playoff career played out yeah um, and so it's it, it but it's it's important that that's a skill thing and not so often it's pitched as like some kind of moral failing it's just like the things that one player was good at that got him to a certain point in the regular season just mattered less right, and right. that's that's not not his "Quote unquote fault." It's just you know you uh, the, I, what my like my I think my favorite part of that chapter is there's a a Corey Brewer quote about Mike D'Antoni told this Corey Brewer like spun got to the basket missed a layup Mike D'Antoni asks him Corey what happened Corey, uh, Brewer says Coach I did my thing I got to the basket then I just ran out of talent and that's and that's <laughs> you know that's what's happening rather than guys you know shrinking from the moment despite having to you know win the game so many times just to get to this point like it just I just kind of reject that that it's like nope that's too far you've done everything to become one of the top like quarter percent of of people ever to do this and but then you get to this point you just like nope that's enough I quit I don't like I just that strikes me as just massively incongruous right right Mm -hmm. uh so that's one of the chapters in this book the mid-range theory a couple other ones are the relative value of Russell Westbrook's triple doubles and the difficulty in measuring defensive achievement and the fallacy of the quick two. Like, is there a favorite chapter uh, of yours that, uh, you know, looking back on it, you're like, yeah, that I'm really proud of that one. Or I really liked oh, writing that one the most. I think, I think the one that, that kind of I worried over the most and ended up probably happiest where, where it is, is the title chapter. The, the chapter about the kind of the uh, it's a little bit tongue in cheek because I'm really talking about three pointers when I uh-huh. say the mid range theory, but sort of to really go deep on. Okay, we know that three pointers have replaced mid range shots. Let's go a little deeper. Why is this happening? Which shots are going away? And it's not it's it's not the you know the art of the mid range shots. It's not you know people think of like the MJ elbow fadeaway. Right. Okay, nobody has that shot. But Chris Paul has his elbow leaner, like yep. you know. Chris Middleton has his has his turnaround over a smaller guy. All of these kind of star high usage players are still taking those shots, basically at the same amount. It's just everyone else is uh, is not standing at 19 feet; they're standing at 24 feet. The guys who are who are there to kind of create space and opportunities for the star players to exploit. Um, and that's and and. That, that's one half of it is it's not just these these like the the uh shots we're all missing is like a you know it's like Junis Elgowska's 20 footer yay I wish there was more of that in the game today. <laughs> um, yeah I missed that that's, Carlos but, Boozer king yeah. of the 20 footer yeah so that's I mean that's that, that's part of it but it's also it's not just it's not just or even primarily somebody with a calculator said hey guys three's greater than two I mean it's it's a it's a function of rule changes you know like mm-hmm. Uh, the illegal defense and hand checking rules um, change the relative balance between post up play and like pick and roll play. Um, 
guys like Kevin Garnett and Lamar Odom, who would have been back to the basket players in you know coming up in the '80s, starting in the '90s. Oh, that's how you want to play. You're good at that. Keep doing that. Yeah. And just turning, especially the power forward position, turning that into a face up position has changed. Played a huge part in this. Um, then like this, like the strategy of the game. Um, you know, a lot of the rise in three is frankly a response to uh, like Tom Thibodeau style defense. You're gonna you're gonna bring an extra guy to the, the the one side of the floor where we're gonna throw the ball to the other side of the floor, and the shot is gonna be worth a whole extra point now, <laughs> and that that you know changed the math of playing that defense. So yeah, like it's accelerated by sort of the knowledge of that we've gotten from you know statistical analysis and tracking cameras and stuff like that. But it was a trend that was already going, you know, basically since the inception of the three pointer. Oh. Oh, no. I could, this. No. Oh, whoop. Yep. Whoop. Whoop. You this is also oh, no. a trend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm, hey, I'm, you're back. I'm sorry. I don't know. I, like, that's but right. I, but that's luckily, right. that time I just kind of wrapped up my point, so I think we. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, guys, do you have any more questions uh, about uh, Seth's book or obviously the NBA season up to, up to date so far? I've seen you mention on Twitter a few times, Seth, that playing a lot faster is super beneficial to offensive teams, right? Like it's a, like every second you get into your offense is worth basically a point for your offensive rating. We always see at the beginning of the season, every team is like, we're playing fast this year. We're going to get as many quick shots as we possibly can. They try it. It doesn't go like that for the entire season. Why is it so hard for teams to sustain a tempo over the course of an NBA season? If we know that it's going to be beneficial to them to play as fast as they can. Um, I think part of it is as they can because some of some of it is coaches sort of okay slow down because um, the the sort of early shots are good because when players take shots early they tend to be open they tend to be open threes or layups or stuff like that um, if you skip that and just like well, we're going to shoot early then you, then teams start to take <laughs> some really bad early shots and that like there's not much that drives coaches crazier than that. So it's like, slow down. So that's part of it. Um, part of it is, is like the, it's, it's hard to, to sort of maintain the discipline of that pace over, a, you know, you're playing your third game in five nights and sure, sure. Running up the court. Sure. Sure. Um, it's, it, that becomes a little harder. Um, and, and I think, so those are, those are, those are the two things. It's just, it's mostly like some teams just can't operate that way. Really. Um, mm-hmm. It's still something you should try to do. Like getting into your sure. offense early is always good. It's just that fine line between getting into the offense early and just jacking up some nonsense, which yeah. especially I think especially for younger teams is probably a line that they fall more on the mm-hmm. bad side than the good. Yeah, um, I think which which I think we're seeing with the Rockets a little bit this this year, for for right. example. Yeah, I think that's when you usually see too, like a veteran point guard. Like you brought up Lowry already, like so good at sort of like let's get going here yeah. quicker let's yeah. you know let's hit it ahead let's take that shot early yeah. and if the uh, but then if there, it's not there it. yeah 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 right exactly uh what have you thought about the new uh the new rules love this season you love, love them. them love them um the biggest one of the big things that i've like it hasn't the thing that's bugged me about nba play is people always shoot too many threes no the, the reason part of the reason so many threes are were going up is that it was so easy for offensive players to create an advantage so easy for someone to, you know, if you can't put your body on Trey Young as he goes off a screen at all without him shooting free throws, 
then it's pretty easy for him to get around a screen, get downhill, and you're having to bring two, three players to you know stop him and stop the lob to Capella. And then, okay, you have players crashing the paint to do that. There's threes wide open. Now that guys can, you know, not, not hand check, not push, not, you know, not, not, you know, beat up on people, but you see like Alex Caruso gets his chest into a guy and forces him over the screen and there's no advantage now. Right. So that's, I think that has been very pleasing. Obviously everyone's up in arms about the take foul. I think that's going to obviously go away next year, but I think that the rebalancing of kind of the amount of physical contact allowed on defense has really put offense and defense in better balance. Whereas last year it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a pinball machine at times. It felt like mm. Seth, a couple quick questions before you get going. You said you weren't receiving a lot of pushback for the LeBron is he getting old tweet. Uh, but I wonder with this Russell Westbrook excerpt that's it's on the athletic from your book about his triple doubles, the, the value of his rebounds. And if there really is uh, value to those rebounds. Can you explain that chapter of your book and how much are the haters uh, <laughs> on you for that? Um, first of all, a fair amount. Um, <laughs> there, there's, you know, there's there's certain players you say anything kind of negative about, and they have a lot of fans, and that's that's fine. Um, the the larger you know uh, notion of that chapter is that. Uh, if if players play the drill, as in if they chase stats, those stats mean less. And that's it's funny that people get like up in arms about that because it's something we all sort of know that you can't you know you chase stats. You look some like they can hurt the team. It probably does hurt the team. We know this. Um, so, but in the specific example of of, of Westbrook, um, there's there's kind of. Every NBA team gets, you know, some stats, basically, just for showing up in the game. You're going to score, at least in this era, you're going to score 80 points. Maybe in, you know, in the 90s, you're going to score 50 points. Um, and then, you know, build on top of that. You're going to get 25 rebounds. You're going to get 10 or 15 assists. Where those kind of first stats go is sort of the, the, the coach and the team sort of can almost choose who gets them. Because by virtue of who has the ball in their hands, who gets shots, things like that. Um and a lot of Westbrook's rebounding was the the kind of the rebounds that the offense sort of abandons and runs back on on defense. He got all of them for Oklahoma City. Like he led the NBA over the course of his of his triple double years in uncontested rebounds, hmm. uh, uncontested defensive rebounds. And the flip side of that is Stephen Adams got no rebounds. But when Stephen Adams on the floor was on the floor, the Thunder rebounded better defensively than when. When Russell Westbrook was on the floor, if that makes sense. So Stephen Ad- when he Stephen Adams was on on the floor, the Thunder were better at rebounding. So all of the boards that Westbrook was grabbing w- weren't necessarily helping the Thunder as much as that total of rebounds would for another player. Now it's not to say those ba- those rebounds are worthless or bad somehow. Um, they're just not worth as much. But at the same time, part of the reason West- Westbrook can be effective is. He's great at pushing transition, getting your team into early offense, um, and it, when a point guard rebounds, that becomes more of a more of a factor. So him getting all these rebounds, I'm certain played into his ability to, you know, juice their pace and get them get them into early offense. So that's you know, so you're saying as rebounds they're worth 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 maybe slightly less, but because Westbrook got them, that they're turning into transition a little bit more, so it balances out not completely but some. 
And so it's not saying that like Westbrook is bad or getting a triple-double is bad. It's just the context of how a player goes about it matters a great deal in terms of was this a good game or not. Right. Um, and it's sort of, it's, it's you know, our arbitrary fascination with round numbers sort of gets in the mm-hmm. way of, of how much did this guy help the team. Right. So I assume... I mean, were you voting? I don't know if you had an official I, vote. I didn't, but, but I would okay, not Okay, you have. didn't, but yeah. you would not have voted yeah. for Westbrook for that, that yep. particular season. So I, who I, would you have gone I, to? I, like Kawhi? Or? Um, I'm, I'm try, I try to remember if whether contemporaneously it would have been Kawhi or Harden. I think I, was, right. I, think I would have gone Harden. Okay. Um, but it's like, okay, so he's, instead of the MVP, he's number two or number three. Like, that's, right. you know, that's, again, always the, the fun thing about, like, saying these things. Oh, you're hating. It's like, yes, I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was the third best player in the league. <laughs> yeah, what a hater. Yeah, yeah what a hater. Um, but so, no, but that, that's an illustration of sort of one of my favorite concepts about basketball is that, about basketball stats, is that what you're trying to do has to be taken into account with sort of what you accumulate. And when that diverges from team only, and, and then it, 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 the impacts are different, which is one of those things that makes it hard to, to, to compare players because you can't really, it's really hard to study in detail. Well, Zach Levine's doing this and, and Devin Booker's doing that. And how do I, it makes it, it makes it difficult, but that's also the part that makes it interesting. Sure. It makes it so it's not like, well, I looked at him, I look at his numbers on paper and he's clearly better. It's like, that would be lame. No one would <laughs> that. So, it allows so. guys like you to write books like this. Yeah. Uh, so we really appreciate you jumping on here. Again, everybody, go seek out Seth's new book, uh, The Midrange Theory. You see it there. Can we grab this everywhere, basically, Seth? Or where do you want to send people to, to grab this? What's, uh, what's the move? Best place to get it is, uh, is Amazon or, uh, or Triumph Books. Our, our, the, the, the publisher Triumph has uh, done very well for me. There it is. And then you're a celebrity out there. You've got basketball coaches asking for your autograph. UW Oshkosh women's basketball coach Brad Fisher grabbed you actually with your son as well. Hey, this guy wrote this book. I'm going to read it. Do you get a lot of that? Do you get a lot of uh, coaches uh, wanting to talk to you about uh, your concepts and theories and I know you said we like to hear our own voices as writers and podcasters. Does this make you feel awkward when a coach grabs you and wants to take a photo with you? Um, sometimes. Um, we, we <laughs> so we we'd been conversing about the book for uh, Coach Fisher and I had been conversing about the book for a while. So it wasn't like, "Hey, I just ran into you," and we that was a, that was a, that was a staged photo op. No, it felt that way. Oh, staged photo. There you go, Tass. <laughs> I was fooled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, right, Seth, well, we got to take our first break. Thanks again. Congratulations on the book. Uh, look forward to talking to you here on No Dunks uh, down the line again, man. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving. And on that note, he's completely frozen again. So <laughs> we will take our first break here and be back to ha- have some fun Thanksgiving-themed man, questions. Man, sorry about that. That's all <laughs> right. Thanks, That's all right. It's, you're really like Lily today. It's, ex- it's absolutely perfect. Perfect replacement. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately. So I've had documents flying in and out the mailbox. A lot of signatures, both analog and digital. A lot of phone calls, a lot of stamps. Gotta get my long-term future straight. Yeah. Let me tell you, Skeets. The things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Watch your assets. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. Trust & Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs, whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney. It's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash nodunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash nodunks. Selling a little? Yeah. Cha-ching. Or a lot? (laughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling savory sausages or offering ostentatious oddities, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash nodunks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash nodunks now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash nodunks. All right, back with nodunks here on a Wednesday. It's our final show of the week. Well, maybe our final show ever, the way we do it over here. Uh, But yeah, no show tomorrow on Thursday or Friday because of American Thanksgiving. We're going to take some time off, spend it with family and friends. Um, And I bring that up because I saw this... uh, comment here in the stream team during the commercial break from leo what a hot take this is thanksgiving is the worst holiday for meat (laughs) all right a fan of the turkey maybe not a fan of the ham Uh, yeah i guess i guess if you're the animal that's definitely true (laughs) very true uh but i do have some fun thanksgiving themed nba questions for you guys to uh to close out the week here and to take us into the holidays i actually asked people on twitter last night did a little crowdsourcing like hey you got anything that comes to mind like get creative 
Uh, I was blown away by the responses. We got like 65 plus responses with really good questions. It became very difficult to just pick a couple of here, but I did. And uh, we'll get into them. You guys have answers. Let's hear your answers from the stream team. Let's hear your answers in the comments below the video if you're watching later. Or if you're listening, jump on Twitter at NoDunksInc. Okay, so our first one, I think this is pretty uh, self-explanatory here. It is, Trey, which team are you most thankful for here uh, as we hit the uh, holiday season? Well, Skeets, come on. It's the Bulls for me, obviously. I don't think people realize that the Bulls were literally the worst team in the league from 2017 to 2021. 102 wins, fewest in the league, less than the Knicks, who are number two, and then less than every other team who has been like blatantly tanking over these four (laughs) seasons. So the fact that they're actually good now, and they're fun, and they're one of the best stories in the league for the first month, BAB, very thankful for this, obviously. But I'm also super thankful that the Golden State Warriors are back as well. They're taking us back to 2015, it feels like, with this Warriors team back in the day when Golden State was kind of everybody's second favorite team. They came out of nowhere with Steph Curry. They had that great series um, against the Nuggets in 2014, I think it was, but uh, 2015 was the year they finally won the title. Steph won his first MVP, and they were just kind of like catching the league by storm, playing a different brand of basketball, which Seth talked about in uh, the first block. And I don't know, they just uh, had a sense of joy. And that team is 100% back right now because the 73-9 and team was similar. Steph won his unanimous MVP. But then the Warriors became a 3-1 to meme, no doubt about it, after mm-hmm. the finals. Then they became the evil empire. Then they just had a couple of down seasons, and it kind of seemed like they would only ever be a dark horse contender. Right now it feels like we're 100% back to the Warriors being the best and most fun team in the league It's been fun to watch, you know? It feels so similar right now. Steph is Steph. Draymond is Draymond. I guess you're saying Andrew Wiggins is probably Harrison Barnes. Jordan (laughs) Poole is Leandro Barbosa. Nemanja Bialica is David Lee. Steve Kerr is Steve Kerr. It works perfectly. Klay Thompson is still to come back. They're playing with joy, and I just simply love joy. Joy is a great thing, especially around the holidays. So thankful for the Bulls, thankful for the Warriors. I would agree with that, too, because... They have disappointed over the last couple of years, injury a big part and stuff like that, the Warriors. And we weren't watching a lot of their games. Like that that West Coast start, we had watched so much Warriors basketball the uh, five or six years prior and going deep into the into the postseason and always hitting the finals. Yeah, it was like we were like refreshed ourselves and uh, it's it's been a joy to have them back. What's your answer though, Tass? Team you're most thankful for right now. Yeah, good ones there. Uh, mine are the Cleveland Cavaliers. They, uh, they're just a scrappy bunch. The fight level of this team isn't going to change, even though they've got a lot of guys out. And they're earning respect around the league again after being a laughingstock the last few years. They only had a combined 60 wins the last three seasons. I guess they had a LeBron season before that, and that's the only reason why they had a better record than the Chicago Bulls over the last four years. But they are just uh, had a terrible reputation. And then this year... They did it from within. It's not like they went out and grabbed a lot of different guys other than Ricky Rubio, who is a fantastic story and would be a fantastic guy to bring to the Thanksgiving table because he always turns you to turn that frown upside down and be happy. He's just a great dude. But they did it um, you know, from J.B. Bickerstaff coming back as head coach. And it just makes you believe. It makes you believe that anything is possible, like you're Kevin Garnett. And they're at 9-9, nine and nine, uh, even though... Uh, you know, there was, they started 9-5 and five and have lost four in a row. Nobody walks over the Cavs. Nobody. They just lost a five-point game to the Brooklyn Nets uh, despite, you know, missing a ton of guys, a ton of games from 
their best. Darius Garland, uh, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Isaac Coral, Markin, and Love, Sexton. Everybody's missing time, but they do it by committee, and the teamwork is impressive. And I just think at, at this point... Here in America, we're all divided. This team is coming together, and they're yeah, they're just doing it together. And that fight level is not going anywhere. They've had lots of good wins. It's uh, it's fun to watch them, and they could they could be way better. They're, they're nine and nine, but they are tied for the lead league in blown leads with six, and that means that uh, you know they're a legit nine and nine for me. Uh, and if they had their guys healthy, they would have been even better. So I'm thankful to watch this bunch just grow from within. Just hope Mobley gets back onto the court, you know, in uh, in a couple of weeks here, because that's what they originally had his uh, diagnosis there, his injury. So hopefully he's back uh, yeah. sooner he's rather than later. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think According he will be. To the athletic Kelsey Russo, she, he, he's out there, he's touching the ball again. That's good. So yeah, he's he seems like a uh, a quick healer. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, great. It was on the scouting report. I heard that's why he went so high. He was fast. <laughs> uh, okay, what about this question here? Again, thanks Thanksgiving themed. Who's been the biggest turkey so far? Tass, you got to start with this one. Unfortunately, it's Zion Williamson, um, especially because this is the week we all gain a few pounds mm-hmm. here in America, and everybody loves talking about Zion Williamson being overweight, and it's fair to question whether his body type can hold up in the NBA because I don't think we've ever seen somebody this big who uh, is relied upon to be a number one guy. Obviously, we've seen huge guys like, uh, if you're trying to think of a number one guy, you know, at 6'6", six, six, uh, t- 280 pounds, you know, you, the Barkley comes in even though he was shorter. Mm-hmm. But but Barkley, his playing weight was smaller. And Barkley, I remember, did say he gained 20 pounds right before the draft because he didn't want the Sixers to draft him. So he went to Denny's <laughs> all the time. Uh, but, you know, Barkley wasn't injured. He stayed healthy. And uh, at, at Zion, whatever weight he's at, you know, it's ranging from 280 pounds when he's playing to – Reports are 300 now, and, uh, you know, you see the photos, and it's, it's fair to question uh, this season for the, for the Pelicans. They're, they're at 3-16. and 16. He's weeks away. He'll hopefully be cleared for 5-on-5 five five this week, but a third of their season will probably be done. And, and it just, it's just, it's a turkey-like season because there's talk about them moving already from New Orleans, which, you know, hopefully that does not happen. And um, I just... I know that it's on Zion and, and him getting healthy, but I guess if there was an image of a turkey, if, if we're trying to imagine a Pelican's turkey, half would be Zion Williamson, his face, and half would be head of B-Ops, David Griffin, because uh, he is he's under the gun mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, if it doesn't turn around, I, I, he just he didn't handle the Zion Williamson injury all that well. So that's a, that's a bad situation there in, in New Orleans because um, – The team behind Zion, even if he does get on the floor, it's still a question mark. They haven't put it together. But, again, he he would elevate that team so quickly. So, you know, I say that in one breath and then on the other side. If he comes back, he's just got to be healthy. And that's the huge question. Who the heck knows with that one? Not a quick healer in this season anyway. It was was on the scouting report. (laughs) Not a quick healer. (laughs) Uh, What do you have, uh, Trey, for this biggest turkey so far? Well, Ben Simmons maybe could be the biggest turkey because it's feeding a lot of people, Ben Simmons is. Mm. You know, John Schumann Mm. mentioned it to us on Twitter yesterday. It's taken a long time to bake this turkey. We've been talking about Ben Simmons possibly being traded for months and months, and we still got a 10-minute segment out of Ben Simmons possibly being traded. 
leftovers, uh, you know, maybe slice up a sandwich here. There's a lot of meat left on the bone for Ben Simmons. Once he finally gets traded, we're still going to be talking about how he fits with his next team. But, you know, I don't know. If that consider- some people like turkey, some people don't. So also a good Ben Simmons point there. Very polarizing player. I'd also True. say De'Aaron Fox is kind of a turkey to me right now. Just because I feel bad for the guy at this point. His new contract that he signed uh, with the Kings just kicked in this season. And the team stinks like they always have. And Tass mentioned it. The body language is just not great with Fox. He's obviously struggling this season. He's getting closer to 20 points per game, but he's still under 30% from three. And he's just got to be feeling like wrong holiday, but this is Groundhog's Day. It feels like the same exact Kings team all the time. And he just looks sad out there like, oh my goodness, I got to spend the next five seasons doing the exact same thing. I almost wonder if he's pulling like a stealth Simmons, trying to get his way out of Sacramento by just Possible. not being 100% involved and just dogging it out there. So to me, right. Fox is one of the guys who has uh, disappointed most so far this season. Yep, good answers there. I actually stopped myself, guys, in the A block from asking Seth about potential Ben Simmons trades. I was like, I was about to do it. I was like, ah. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> one show, one show we can take a break. Uh, all right, our next question here. This one came by, by way of at Taylor underscore Stein. So this was from him. Shout out to Taylor out there. Uh, it's a little interesting. He asked, which player has been the canned cranberry to their team's feast this year? Yes, the canned cranberry. And he went on to sort of clarify, Tass, reliable surprisingly still around and squarely meets expectations. Now, I am not a canned cranberry guy, but I understand where Taylor's coming from. Some people would describe it as such. So when it comes to a player, what's an answer for Taylor here? Well, Taylor, the feast is going on, and then you throw in this side here. It comes off the shelf and provides a a little bit of color, a little bit of uh, color for this beige table, The, the red Cranberry comes in, and for me, it's Montrez Harrell off the bench, off mm, the shelf. Good one. Uh, because the Wizards feast, fantastic. And, and I, I guess people sort of forgot about Montrez Harrell because of the season he had with the Lakers. You know, he's he's still young enough to be producing, but he came back with a vengeance this season. At 17-9, and nine, uh, he is a six-man-of-the-year candidate, shooting 65% from the field, which is uh, really nuts. And... Uh, you know, sometimes as the table, yeah, it's 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 one tone, it's 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 straight beige. He is uh, kind of the energy the team needs mm-hmm. to a little bit of pick me up. I know you're not a fan, Skeet, so the canned crans. No, I'm not. Either am I. No, but it's nice to have something a little sweet. Yeah, you know, a at the tang, table, a little tang. Uh, yeah. A little tangy, exactly. Yeah, change the color of your plate. Whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> color. We have a lot of suggestions, Trey, before we get your answer. I mean, the stream team's going crazy here. We got LaMarcus Aldridge as a possibility, Millsap, maybe Mellow. Hassan Cranside. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice one. Uh, Schroeder. I'm Mr. Cranside. <laughs> Jeff Green. Taj Gibson is a pretty good one. Uh, just sort of always there. So anyway, who do you have, Trey? What's your answer for the canned cranberry? Also known as cranberry sauce i guess <laughs> sure yeah yeah yeah. i actually uh tosh gibson is a good one as is hassan cranside not a guy i was expecting anything from but give me andre drummond uh mostly known for his big beefs but this has been a great find for the sixers backup center a very valuable position for philadelphia uh usually it has been Embiid getting in trouble with injuries obviously he's had covid this year but it's been nice 
for the Sixers to have Andre Drummond step in. Nine starts, three beefs, seventh in the league in rebounding, plays a little bit of defense on the perimeter. Decent passing, also cheap. He's on a minimum deal there. You can get a can of cranberry sauce for like two bucks probably, so you're getting the value both ways. But also, not a huge ceiling for cranberry sauce out of a can. Not a huge ceiling for Andre Drummond. The Sixers are 3-6 and six in his starts. That was a question I kind of had for Seth. Like, you talk about, do rebounds mean anything? Do Andre Drummond's rebounds mean anything? Or is he the king of being their closest guy to the hoop grabbing the boards? Just like cranberry sauce is uh, drifting by, getting by on the strength of mashed potatoes, you know? It doesn't have to bring a lot to the table, but... Drummond has been a solid find. I think it's kind of similar to Montrez Harrell where they both had bad seasons last year. They're coming into contract years this year, both balling out, giving 100% effort when they can. So, yeah, I wasn't expecting much from Drummond as the backup center in Philadelphia, but it's been nice having him around. Yeah, the ones that definitely mean something are he does grab a lot of offensive rebounds. So totally. Yeah. He's given him a second chance there. Um, somebody in the stream team asked me because I said I don't like cranberry sauce, but uh, Evan wants to know, do you like Cranberry Canada Dry? absolutely a beautiful beverage love it around the holiday season now i talked about this before i find it difficult to find the raspberry version of uh of canada dry cranberry you see a lot more in most stores but every once in a while oh, you find the raspberry oh i love it i love it what so a find. good i love it it's so good. Uh, thank you for asking that. Okay, final one. And JD, I definitely want to hear from you too. Uh, we'll start with Trey, but this was from at jphilp97 on Twitter. Which, I, I did modify it a little bit, but which four current NBA players would you invite over for Thanksgiving? And then the bonus question is, what dish is each player uh, bringing? So Trey, again, get us started here. I, I, I wanted current players, I don't know. I really don't know why I made it that bad, but uh, anyway, I guess it's more realistic. Uh, it could happen. Uh, who are you inviting over? Well, we had a stream teamer mention that Thanksgiving is a bad holiday for meat, but I think we can all agree you got to have meat on the table. So I'm bringing two sets of teammates here. First from the Detroit Pistons, a.k.a. the Detroit Proteins. Got to have Isaiah Beef Stewart yep. in the mix. And I'm also opening my heart, guys. And I'm going to try a Thanksgiving Hamadou Diallo. <laughs> so I'll have those two guys as my main courses. But okay. you got to have some sides. So I'm going on down to New Orleans where I'm getting some Josh Hardy potatoes <laughs> and a little bit of Herb Jones for seasoning everything up. <laughs> this was all working up to that Herb Jones joke. Yeah, There's good. straight up a guy named Herb in the We NBA don't talk about right it now. enough. You're yeah. right. It's Herb. Uh, okay, I like that. Yeah, firing, firing the pun gun here. Yeah, I forgot about those puns. Yeah. Jer- Jeremy Lamb can show up as well. <laughs> if, you want a, if you want every meat... There you go. Got all the meats. Who are you inviting to ask, and are you giving them something to bring? Well, to me, uh, I like some things at the Thanksgiving table to be super basic. And my man, Yanis Tetecumpo, we know he celebrated having a smoothie when he first got to America. His tweet, God bless America, when he had his first smoothie. Just a, It's a simple drink. Uh, so is the Oreo cookie, which he celebrated yesterday. He hmm. said... You won't believe me, but a kid just told me to try dunking my Oreos in milk. Man, game changer on Twitter. Hashtag new bedtime snack. Now, I don't think this is an ad. I think he no. just had an Oreo. 
Right. I love hashtag mad my girl didn't tell me sooner. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's always always taking it out on Mariah. Um, I am. Uh, I, I, I I like things simple. Yesterday, I got in a stuffed or a stuffing, a box stuffing, just straight off a Walmart shelf. Yeah. And Danielle saw it on a Walmart shelf. She said, "I know you like your box stuffing, Tess. I like it all year round." So I threw it in a pan. Butter, water, done. <laughs> and, and I think Yanis Tetacumpo would bring a boxed stuffing. Okay. It's the simplest thing. And because he likes Oreos, smoothies, and stuffing. Yep. He's a simple man. You do, you do like a, a simple, just dry box stuffing. Okay, it's not dry. Well, I mean, you know, There's it's water. not. It's, I like it. Don't worry. I love it. <laughs> when you make it it gets wet it does yeah. like I, I know people are complaining turkey is so dry well get somebody who will make a wet turkey for you or make <laughs> make it yourself it doesn't have to be dry it's all in the preparation right, right. and it's hey I, you know uh, i've i've had a lot of dry turkey in the past it's hard to make a good turkey mm-hmm. uh, my mom uh, uh she struggled making a turkey growing up i, I gotta admit it yeah but um it's possible. It's possible right. to make a good turkey, and I'm okay with uh, a, a box stuffing. Yeah. Sometimes box you can you can have you get you're talking about we talked about sloppy joes and sloppy beefs. You can have a sloppy stuffing. You can oversaturate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stuffing. yeah. And I, I think Yanis can show up with uh, straight up box like a stove top, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah stove top. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, not not stove in. <laughs> What's the difference? I don't know. Do you have any other uh, invites or just Yanis and? Uh... Uh, I'm going to bring LaMelo because we know the photo of him in his car, uh, yellow jacket, yellow car, because uh, I'd like to show him what's under my hood because I bought an e-car, <laughs> and I'd like to show him my frunk, uh, my front trunk, <laughs> front trunk, and what I keep in there. Okay. There ain't an engine in there. It's crazy. Can you believe it? I'd like to show it's him just, my frunk. It's an extra compartment. <laughs> Like Wild. a big glove compartment. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, do you keep anything in it? I do. I do. I've got a. I got, got a baseball glove in it. <laughs> I thought you were ready gonna. To, I thought you were gonna say it's like full of just boxes of stove chest. Yeah, <laughs> it's his pantry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyone else? Yeah. No, no. That's oh, that's it. it. <laughs> okay. Man, you really answered that question like Lee Ellis would. <laughs> Bringing up Oreo cookies to get the honest and then the car. I love it. Uh, JD, who are you inviting over to Thanksgiving? What are they bringing? I mean, okay, he's not a player, but I have to. It's got to be Greg Popovich because, you know, I love wine, and you know oh, he's yeah. bringing a good wine. And there's a lot good. of wine drinkers in the NBA, but I feel like Greg's – he. His, I think he's next level in his cellar. I think he's going to bring something, something really, something really Something special. Nice. Yeah, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love a family game night breaking out, you know, at these dinners. So, uh, Rajon Rondo. I mean, let's get the Connect Four out and let's throw down. Let's get let. I like it when it gets ugly. Like let's <laughs> let's get angry at each other. That's Thanksgiving to me. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Butler obviously going to do the after dinner uh, coffees, right? Okay. But uh, Lou will, 
He's going to stop off at uh, Magic City and bring me those <laughs> lemon pepper wings that nice. uh, I've heard so much about, but I've I've never, never had. had. And of course, uh, just as an added bonus, I'm going to invite uh, Serge Ibaka and Kyle Kuzma be, uh, because we may go out in the backyard for a little uh, oh. campfire action. So <laughs> I want my guests to be warm and uh, they will definitely be warm. They just snuggle up to one of these two and uh, <laughs> climb under that sweater or scarf and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Really nice. Hey, have you ever uh, played the the board game Code Names, JD? No, I haven't. Oh. Wait a minute. Do I have it? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you have. I don't have you. it. Uh, I'll let you borrow it. Uh, I think I could see you and the family getting into that. All right. It's 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 a, it's a fun game. I know Trace played. Um, we, we played uh, when we were on vacation with a bunch of people once. We just bought it. That's why. Code uh, Names. All right. It, uh, this is how good it is. My wife Nora hates board games. She hates card games. I've said this before. Mm. She liked this game so much that she bought it. Couldn't wow. I was like, what? You? So, yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. There it is. All right. Well, let's hear from everybody in the stream team. Drop your answers in the YouTube comments uh, to all four of those Thanksgiving-themed cues. We're going to take one more break. JD's got Tweet of the Night. we got Pick'em Results, and uh, we'll get you ready for the long NBA weekend. We'll be right back. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, it's time for Tweet of the Night. Mmm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, we're going super old school for Tweet of the Night today because uh, <laughs> it's a 90s uh, era topic, which is apropos, and uh, it comes out of a physical newspaper that old man Tassie, uh, he had his uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution out uh, reading the paper. He <laughs> grabbed the scissors, clipped out this uh, this article, and sent it to me, and I said, hey, I've already what? clipped it myself, Tassie, and put it on my fridge. So uh, oh. they're just shuffling around in our slippers, doing our old man stuff, and here it is. It's... <laughs> The Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way, is in YouTube's 
billion views club. I mean, wow, crazy. That's crazy news to me because honestly, I thought, had isn't it already? Like, how is it not already billion views? And then I realized there's there's only five other songs from the '90s. <laughs> That have reached a billion views on YouTube. So let's oh let's God. do some trivia time. Can you name the five other '90s released songs that are in the billion <laughs> view club on oh YouTube? Oh God! Oh, I'm gonna be bad yeah. at this. Uh, it's not as I guess it is hard. Oh, is that why you blurred out the one yes, portion of that yeah, clipping? Yeah, yeah. Wow, no look cheating, at you! No look at you! Okay, Trey. I mean, you're gonna be better at this, I think, than I. I don't am. think I don't so, Skates. My first two thoughts were OMC, how bizarre. Interesting. <laughs> no. I don't, wow. I know, that would like, be bizarre. Yeah, if that has a million <laughs> views, uh, I want to know the rest. I'm buying the rights. Uh, the other guess I had was. My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Oh, the that's a good guess. Titanic. It's a good guess, but well, that did that was released in 2000, I think, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah. See, there's, there's something. Oh, nice. There is something, yeah. JD, in that family of songs. Absolutely. There's one yeah. that's okay. Uh, let's there, get the hint. Okay, what about what about the Spice Girls? Not oh. the Spice Girls, and I'll also wow. say that that the Backstreet Boys are the only boy band in this. Oh, list Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, we're talking about, okay. Think grunge, the biggest grunge. So, so Nirvana. Smells like Teen Spirit. Okay. okay. Got it. Okay. Wow. I should have said the. Yeah. Wow, that is amazing. I, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know. The, it's crazy, this list. Okay. This band Lee did not like. The Cure. <laughs> okay. No. He was, he likes, he, he was disappointed by them because, and it wasn't actually the band, and they were late. He, oh, he just late. talked about this last week. He did? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh. <laughs> it wasn't the complete, wasn't the complete band. Wasn't the oh, complete some... band. Heavy metal band from Guns the 80s. Roses. Guns oh, Roses. Guns N' Roses. November Rain? So November Rain, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. okay. So nice. that's two. Video. Yep. Yep. Okay. This isn't a hint. This is a comment. I despise this band, and I cannot believe it has a Wonder billion. Oh, no, no. No. Oh. All female group at the time, but when they released their album, they replaced their drummer with a male person. Like, no doubt or something? Nope. Uh, All women SWV? This one's the hardest one. This is hard, yeah. You'll you'll be like, what? A billion (laughs) listens for this song. It's a a band, though. A woman. All women. All. It all female when they started, but uh, they did have a male drummer. Uh, People are saying like, "What's uh, up?" By four non. You got it. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Okay. views. That's like that to me would be on par with "How Bizarre" by OMC. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like totally. Nineties one hit wonder. That's a crazy totally. one to be. Wow. Yeah. And she went on to write some good songs. Linda Perry mm-hmm. of of yeah. uh she she wrote songs for Pink and for uh Christina Aguilera, but uh anyway, okay, two more. Uh huge grunge song, huge grunge band, uh female singer. Alanis Morissette? Nope. Ooh. Whose uh name rhymes with a female body part. Little Seinfeld reference there. Uh, and and I mean, didn't we? Well, there was a mention of the band. The lead singer named Dolores. their name in the in the last segment of the show. Uh, okay, that's right. In the Thanksgiving portion of the show. That's right. 
with with a with an item <laughs> with a, a food item. That's right, Trey. You got <laughs> it. You got these, it. Are in, these are insane. I know. I believe I know. this. Okay, yeah. last last one. This one's not that insane. This yeah. is a cover song of okay. one of my favorite, one of the best ballads ever written, and I would argue that this this version is not as good as the original, but it's one of the biggest songs ballad of all time sung by one of the Whitney Houston yes yeah I will um, always love you oh, I will always good love one you. Yeah. all right all right all right we did it we did we got wow it. wow so some of those numbers are goosed right <laughs> I mean the goose in them I guess I mean some of them is just like uh I hate my roommate so I'm putting on what's up for 10 hours straight oh. on a loop just just to f with them, you know. But yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's I don't a know. surprising one to me. That's crazy. Oh, that's a that's a fun tweet of the night, though, right there, JD. <laughs> um, you know, I brought up uh, one of my guesses was Alanis Morissette. Have you watched the uh, documentary? No, not JD? yet. JD, no. I'm a little reluctant because she she disavowed it, right? I know. So uh, Nora was telling me that. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like trying to figure out why. I guess she's <laughs> she just didn't like some of the things they kept in it. Yeah, uh, uh, I think they she. Something was revealed that she didn't want to be revealed, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'll probably you know watch what? it. I just like never realized, I guess, how big that album was. Oh, like, yeah. And like how she, ex- I also forgot that she was like a Canadian, like little, like a uh, pop star, sort of yeah. like lower level. I've sort of forgotten all about that. Yeah. All. So anyway, check it out. Guys want to. Okay. Pick them results brought to you by MGM last night. Lakers, Knicks. Knicks were favored by three and a half. Right? No LeBron. And it was up in the air whether Anthony Davis was going to play. He did look, I will admit, really sick looking. <laughs> like, did you guys see him in, uh, in like, pregame warm-ups? Like, it was like, uh-oh, this guy might be puking on the sidelines here. I mean, it does have the flu here. But he did play. But I knew I was in trouble with my pick uh, going to Lakers and, and Tasted as well. Because Tast, the line, it jumped from my, it jumped from Nick's favorite by three and a half to six and a half. Now, again, probably the whole AD question mark up in the air. And I'm like, we've seen this happen before. You watch. It'll land right between there. It'll land between three and a half and six and a half. Just watch. Sure enough, Knicks won by six, and that's exactly where it landed. So it's a loss. For Tass and I, I am in real big trouble here trying to catch Trey Kirby as we run out of days in November. I'm seven and ten. Tass is fine. Thirteen and four. Trey's now nine and eight, and Lee is eleven and six as he had the Knicks. So there are a lot of games on tonight. 26 of the 30 teams are in action tonight. I think I saw Zilla Wright in his newsletter. So which one are we picking? Because I really need to go opposite of Trey and gain a game here because we'll have a couple days when we return after the holiday break. Yeah, 13 games on this evening because there are zero turkey games, if I'm correct. That's right. I don't think there's, there's no games on Thanksgiving Day. That's football day. That's football day. Let's go Pack. Let's go Cowboys. Let's, <laughs> Let's go, go Lions. Lions. I guess that they always play. Um <laughs> I am going with a probably pick a game that we wouldn't have considered as the one that we'd pick, but I like this one because I think it's a pretty tough one. Miami going into Minnesota, mm. who's a two and a half point dog. Now, when the Grizzlies came to Minnesota recently, the Wolves' Anthony Edwards was told, "Hey, we haven't beat the Grizzlies in a long time. That's all Anthony Edwards needed to hear, <laughs> and he took care of business." So now Jimmy Butler's coming to town right. with the Miami Heat. Somebody's got to tell Anthony Edwards, "Hey." He used to play on this team. We didn't like him. Oh, that's all I need. We're going to win our fi- fifth in a row. 
Um, they have won four in a row. Miami's on a back-to-back. They did beat Detroit yesterday. They had to travel. Yep. And Jimmy Butler was doing the raspberries with his mouth. <laughs> or blowing raspberries, I guess you call it. <laughs> you know that. So uh, I'm buying that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to cover, and we've got a split. Ooh. Skeets, you're with me, and yep. Trey and Lee are on the Miami Heat. Okay. Yeah, Trey, why Miami? What's your ultimate decision here, reasoning? Yeah, they're a lot better than the Minnesota mm, Timberwolves is why call. I picked them. I guess they are on a back-to-back, which could be a little bit worrying, but, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm honestly shaking in my boots now. If this is how they motivate Anthony Edwards, just tell him <laughs> something about the history of the team and it works, then the Heat are screwed, but uh, I'll, I'll roll with Jimmy Butts going in there tonight. Okay, there we go. We got uh, Trey and Lee taking Miami. They got to win by three or more points. Up in Minnesota, Tass and I, we got the dogs that are the wolves. Also, not to be confused with Dags, who is Daryl Morey. <laughs> uh, guys, send in your questions. Keep them coming. Email them in, nodunksattheathletic.com. NBA and non-NBA questions. Hit us up on Twitter, at nodunksinc, or drop a comment below the vid here. Grab yourself an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks. Deal of the year on right now. A dollar a month for 12 months for new subscribers. So if you don't have a subscription, it's not going to get better than that. So I would uh, highly recommend you go grab one. And, 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 if you're a survivor nerd, like a few of us are, join No Buffs tonight. Yes, tonight, following episode 10 of Survivor 41. We're going to go live around uh, 9.15, 9.20, Somewhere around there. So you can join us live tonight. We usually, of course, wait until Thursday, but it's Thanksgiving tomorrow here in the States. So we'll do it tonight. Uh, We'll jump on and recap tonight's episode. It'd be a great time to get some of your questions live. Be a part of the live tribe, which we call the stream team when we do the no buffs. um, Because, you know, it's going to be a quick turnaround, JD. We're going to go right into it. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, uh, Usually I like to really get my fine tooth comb out and comb through the episode after watching it. But, uh, you know, we're just going to be shooting off the hip, uh, shooting from the hip, off the hip, you know, doing uh, just an instant reaction, which uh, I don't think I'm very good at, but we'll see. see. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll see how this one goes. Go ahead, Tess. I got got a question there. If you're watching on YouTube, we put up a photo of a challenge yeah, it looks like mm-hmm. it. Uh, of, of the Survivor contestants doing a challenge. It's a ball balancing on uh, some sort of little tabletop yeah, type thing that platform. they're holding on a stick, a platform, exactly. Is this a photo from tonight's challenge? I believe, uh, I believe so. so. This is what Survivor usually does. They tease a few photos. What a tease. I grab what one. a tease. It's got me excited. <laughs> so, this challenge looks exciting. Look at that. Focus. Two takeaways so from this photo. Classic challenge. Uh, yeah. The old yeah. ball on top of the thing. You see the lines there going to be moving their hands up, getting trickier and trickier. And I also wonder, looking at the colors of the balls they have here, Ooh. are they going to be splitting tribes again? Ooh, uh, to interesting. Try and send people different places? The black, white, black? Who knows? What is this? Abalone? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. We'll they be talking about it tonight. Honest tweet. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about episode 10 tonight again live after the show on the east coast of course uh, airs at 8pm eastern and like I said we'll be on uh, the No Bus YouTube channel around 9.15 and we'll uh, spin that into a podcast as as fast as one can as fast as JD humanly can humanly can I don't know I'm not yeah. hey um, not, I, I got the booster shot yesterday Ooh. Hey. and I got my uh, flu vaccine shot 
So I did uh, the double whammy. I'm not, I'm not feeling all that hot right now. I'm a little, I'm a little worried about tonight here, this uh, post no buff. I think maybe I'll take a, a super nap. Just feeling like just sluggish. Yeah. You know? Did you guys get your, your booster shots? I I'm getting mine next week. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, the arm's a little tender. That's fine. But just like, <laughs> I just feel like crap. I love people who report that their arm is sore after a shot. A shot? Yeah. 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 You got yeah. stabbed, man. Yeah. But, but, my, but here's my the thing. One, my one side effect, a sore arm. <laughs> no, but here's yeah. the thing. The booster arm hurts more than the flu shot arm mm. in terms of, uh. like, ow. This one, this one, ow. This one, let's go. <laughs> oh, so you went a uh, booster in your left arm. No surprise. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm, my question was going to be, no why, yeah, why did you choose booster in the left arm? But then I said no surprise because, I don't know, you're planning on using your right arm more? I was a little disappointed. Uh, my guy, his name was uh, Raymonta. I've never heard that name. Awesome name. That's a cool name. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people call him Ray, but Raymonta right there on his name tag. I said, uh, can I do them both in the same arm? He's like, yeah. And I was like, well, what do you suggest? Should I should I do one in each arm? Like, what's the protocol here? And he wouldn't give me an answer. So I had to just like, I was like, just tell me. I'm, just, I'm, I'm trusting you, man. I trust science. Uh, I've proven this by coming in here. He can't give that kind of advice. You, what if you come back and say, hey, man, I couldn't work today. I've like, I don't know. I'm saying well, I, I'm getting mine in the neck. I'm getting both mine next week. <laughs> in the ass. Uh, I guess, like, if I could do it again, I'd put it in the same arm. Because then at least, you know, just one arm is sort of uh, feeling not all that great. A little numb there mm. for a couple hours. But whatever. That's all good. Everybody will get your booster shot if you can, if you haven't already. All right? And your, and your, flu, uh, your flu shot, too. Trey, you're all boosted up, aren't you? I'm boosted up. Uh, I know the girls finished their second shots earlier this morning. Laura got her booster. We got our flu shots, like three weeks ago at this oh, point i think laughing. we have more white blood cells than red blood cells <laughs> <laughs> all right excellent okay so join us tonight after survivor episode 10 on the no buffs youtube channel around 9 15 thanks again to seth part now everybody go grab his book just search for it the mid-range theory we'll grab it off amazon or triumph books like he says thanks to seth for swinging by this morning here we will see you guys in the no dunks feed on monday morning all you americans have a very safe and healthy Thanksgiving. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, I've been getting shots for a long time. Trusted the science just like you, Skeets. But it's only been a couple years where I've been told you got to move the arm that you get the shot in because that loosens it up. That gets you good. (laughs) So so that lessens the pain. So I guess as as you're flowing there, Skeets, I guess you do it in your dominant arm because you move it more. Maybe that's a good suggestion. Not a doctor, not a nurse, (laughs) I'm not Remonta, but I think you should put it in your dominant arm so you don't have to complain about it. It's so, so. Uh, It's much more fun to complain about it. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody embrace the turkey people.
baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.